Do you want to know the optimal location for a third shot drop? Or where to hit the server turn? And even which doubles player, Anna Lee Waters, should have as a partner when she plays professional women's doubles? In this episode, you can get the answers to all of these questions as I talk to Alex Spancake from Picklemart, where we take a deep dive into data analytics and pickleball. So let's get to the intro to hear from Alex. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Alex Spancake. How are you doing today, Alex? I'm doing well, doing well. How about yourself? I am doing great since I got to play pickleball today. Nice. All right. Well, I do like to start off the podcast with a little bit about your background and kind of your history with pickleball, how long ago you started playing, and just how you got into it. Sure. Yeah. So I started playing uh, summer of 2020, one of, one of the COVID summers. I think my uncle, who lives in like, it's not quite like a retirement area, but it's similar enough. I was like, hey, I think you'd have a lot of fun with this. So I was a former tennis player. I still try and play tennis once a week or so. But I fell in love with pickle immediately. I found some people in my area that were also like kind of new to the sport. I feel like I've been addicted ever since. And you actually play at quite a high level. So we're going to talk about something I think pretty interesting today, but also talk a little bit about your background and kind of how you progress to the level that you are now. Sure. Yeah. I honestly, I just kept playing, kept grinding. Like I, I, so I came in as like a, probably like a four or five tennis player when I was playing pretty actively. And like my singles game was immediately decent. It's actually really frustrating. Like I don't practice singles very much anymore. And I still think my singles game is better than my doubles. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, I played maybe four or five times a week, started going to local tournaments, you know, even past year or so like try to drill whenever i can and yeah i'm playing like anywhere i'd say from like a, a four five to a five oh level at this point all right cool well the reason we got connected is because you have a really interesting i shouldn't really term it a website because it's really more of a platform and for analytics for pickleball and especially given my background and uh, as a data analyst, statistician, I always am very interested in anybody who's doing anything around analyzing pickleball because understanding our tendencies, how we make errors, other people's tendencies, that all helps us to really kind of improve our game. But let's go ahead and start with how did you create this and why? What was kind of the genesis? <laughs> yes, it was. Super Bowl Sunday of 2022, and I I wasn't into the Super Bowl that year. I don't remember why, but I had been watching a lot of pro pickleball, and I got like irrationally upset whenever the commentators would say something to the extent of, "Oh, that was a great timeout to stop the momentum." And here I am thinking, like, we don't know if that's true. Like, <laughs> is momentum even a real thing? And so I started looking for pickleball, competitive pickleball data to try and answer that question. And pickleball is a young sport in the grand scheme of things. So 
it wasn't out there. And I said, all right, well, like I have a skill set that I could apply here. So let's see if I can answer the question myself. And so that's kind of what prompted uh, the, the Pickle Mart. So it's supposed to be a data mart for Pickleball. Don't love the name, but we're going with it. Now, before you go on, have you mm -hmm. been able to answer that question? <laughs> What's really funny is I actually think we have enough data to answer it. And I've just gotten so sidetracked. And I, the answer is I haven't answered it yet. <laughs> All right. Well, that is, uh, I guess, not, not necessarily a good thing because I am really curious to know the answer. So please do let me know when you find out. Now, actually, I say that, although I am not a tournament player. So and typically during recreational play, you don't call timeouts. So uh, anyways, that'll be interesting to know. But, uh, okay, so you've gotten to a point where you said you have a lot of data. How did you, how did this kind of come about in terms of creating a system to collect that data? Because I've talked to many coaches on the podcast, and a number of them are trading matches. And doing that manually is crazy, time-consuming, difficult, and I know I've tried, and I, after about 15 minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm tired of doing this. But I think you've got a, a better method and also kind of how you can create some really kind of juicy stats. So talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So when I started doing data collection, it really just started with like, all right, who served the rally? Like, how long was the rally and what was the rally outcome? Like everything was at the rally level. And I'm not a programmer by trade, but I built a very basic interface to just click around and kind of chart that data. And like, there were some interesting tidbits. Like it was nice to actually quantify, for example, the advantage that the returning team has. And we're talking about doubles. Everything I'm going to talk about is despicable doubles. But when I started talking you know, with my friends who also played, like the kinds of questions that they were asking required like shot level data. Like if I'm in the backhand to backhand dink exchange, should I try and break it or should I keep at it? Those kind of questions, which you're not going to get if you just look at rally outcomes. And so the app to collect the data had to evolve to collect shot level information. And so yeah, I will say the process of collecting data, like you alluded to, for others that are doing something similar, is still fairly manual. But the interface that we have, you're watching a video and clicking along with it, and it makes it really easy to build kind of dynamic reports and also like link any given shot to like a video timestamp for coaches out there that want to like watch mechanics. So, yeah. Well, that that's actually really cool. So I did take a look at some of your videos and this being a podcast, it's always a little bit hard to describe, but what are, what with the different clicks of the mouse, what are some of the things that you're able to track that become data points that you can then later actually analyze? Yep. So because you're actually clicking on a kind of image of a court, you're able to track the point of contact for each shot. And because users are doing it while they watch a video, like if you see users are clicking slow, fast, fast, 
we can use that timing information to infer that, oh, a hand battle must have started after the shot. And the user doesn't have to explicitly state that, right? It can be inferred based off how the data entry is being done. So, you know, you have dinks versus speed ups. You have the user actually uses the left and right click features to indicate third shot drives versus drops, as well as if teams are stacking. So we can ensure, okay, well, this person must have been on this side of the court, this rally. And all that data can be accumulated into these match reports that we're putting out, which I think you just alluded to. And the idea behind these match reports is that they can help players identify strengths, weaknesses, opportunities for growth. The whole point of the Pickle Mart at this point is to help individual players grow their game. Like statistics are cool, but statistics that are actually helpful, that's what we're going for here. And what do you think are some of the most helpful statistics that you're collecting? I think for starters, just looking at third shot. So not not only drop versus drive percentages, but like, okay, I hit 20 drives this match and 20 drops. And I had a lot of success with my drop and not my drive. Well, that's really good to know. But not only do we have that, but it's like, okay, was it that your third shot drop led to a lot of dinks? Because if that's the case, then like, sure, your third is very important. But that might also indicate that you're winning a lot at the kitchen line. Or it could be the case that, oh, my third shot drive was really effective. And sure, I didn't get to the kitchen line very much when I hit my third shot drive, but we were winning a lot of rallies. Like, I think that is a very concrete decision that every player has when they play. And you might as well try and optimize it because every percentage point matters. Other decisions that I think are important are when and where to speed the ball up, where to place your return. And then also just being able to look and watch all your errors again, uh, I think, especially from a coaching perspective, is very helpful. So since you mentioned it, and I think you may have done a little bit of analysis about that, talking about where to return the ball, you can, assuming that ideally you want to hit deep into the court, is it? Do you want to hit to the left, middle, right? What's the preference there? Yep. So goal number one, right? Get the return in. <laughs> None of this matters if you're not consistently making a return. But assuming you can, like you said, depth is positively correlated with better outcomes. And if you're so, if you're playing against two righties, I what we have found, the best place to put the return, if you're returning from the right, it's just to go straight down the line. I think this is for two reasons. Uh, a, it really limits the angle that your opponent can work with, and it makes it very clear that you as the returner are going to cover line and your partner is going to cover middle. But also, you may be getting it to your opponent's backhand, which often, but not always, will be their weaker shot. And we found that you gain a couple percentage points in win rates when you're able to do that, which, yeah, like, oh, I only added three percentage points to my probability of winning doesn't sound like a lot. But over the course of a match, 
it's rather significant. And so on the flip side, if you're returning from the left side, the location that you pick is a little less important. I, what we saw is like, I think honestly going middle or even going cross a little bit may have been slightly more effective, but I don't think anything was statistically significant there. Now that makes a lot of sense because if I'm serving from that right-hand side and we are playing two, two people who are right-handed, a, a lot of times it probably will go to the backhand. But one thing I'm curious about is if you're going down the line and you're a little bit lower level player, it seems like you've got more tendency to hit that ball out, not depth wise, but near the sideline, as opposed to like just going down the middle. Did you look at the different skill levels as you kind of looked at that analysis? Yeah. So for this analysis, I pull it up again, but I am pretty sure I limited to whether I think it was like four or four or five plus level play. But to your point, like if you're good on the line and there's a chance of you missing, I, I would completely agree. You should probably give yourself a little more of a margin. But yeah, this paper was under the assumption that you are consistently making your returns. Unfortunately, we don't have a ton of data right now for 3-0 to 4-0 level play. We do have some individuals that are starting to use the tool. And I think doing comparisons of, oh, like, what is a good return at the 3-5 level versus what is a good return at the pro level? Like, what are the differences? I think that's a really fun analysis that we'll get around to at some point. Yeah, and it, it for me, it's so different kind of watching video, especially if it's in, in slow motion or you've got some ball tracking, because a, a lot of people, I think, look at pickleball and, and maybe even see my age group, the senior pros playing, and, and we're kind of like, well, I can do that. But then when you really look at the placement of the ball and the consistency, it truly is really a different game. I mean, there's just no doubt about it, but that really comes out through the video and given the tools that you have, I think it will be really prevalent also. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the fact that pros are only missing 3% of their returns, that's, uh, that's actually wild. It isn't, I, that didn't hit me until I actually saw that number and I compared it to my own error rate, which is like <laughs> 7% or something ridiculously high compared to that. Now, do you analyze most of your m matches that you play, or how do you kind of select the ones that you decide to go through the process and analyze? Yep, so I definitely try and do a good number of my own. But, you know, we put out an analysis recently looking at, like, the difference of Anna Lee. So Anna Lee Waters playing with both Anna Bright and Catherine Parento. And so to support that analysis, me and... Another guy who uses the tool, his name's Jack. He's awesome. We did a lot of data entry on Anna Lee matches. So it, and part of it is like, I want to help myself, but I also want to do tracking on pro players because those are who people are generally interested in. But I mean, I will say the tools for anyone who wants to use it, it can be for people that play like rec. It can be people that play tournaments. It can be people that just love watching the pros play. Like, I think all that data is useful. And I was going to ask you about kind of the article that you wrote on the 
Annalie Waters' decision. And I know probably most people who actually do listen to the Pickleball Fire podcast probably have seen some pro matches and know who Annalie Waters is. But with a little bit more background, normally her regular partner is her mom, Lee Waters. But Lee uh, tore her ACL a while back. So she's been playing with two other really high-level players in the meantime, Anna Bright and then Catherine Parento. So what was kind of the bottom line of your analysis? Because you actually did a really nice, in-depth, very detailed analysis. But what was the take-home points from that for, you know, assuming that Annalie Waters can't play with her mom, who should she be playing with? Thanks. Yeah, so... At a glance, that analysis basically said, Annalie's going to be fine <laughs> either way, but the partner she chooses will dictate the kind of play style that she deploys. So when Annalie played with Catherine, I think they played a little more of a traditional one-two setup where Catherine was setting Annalie up. Right? I think Catherine's drop and drive, both playing with Annalie and playing with other partners is extremely effective and when you allow Anna Lee to roam on the court good things are generally going to happen and so that was their strength versus when Anna Lee played with Anna Bright they actually did a kind of a good job of setting each other up it, it was one of those cases where like either of them could really go in and just dominate a firefight and it was a little less so of Annalie's partner setting her up. But again, either either decision, like even if she plays with both of them, she plays with one, she plays with the other, I think Annalie's going to be fine. Now, I'm curious, have you reached out to Lee or Annalie and uh, kind of made them aware of your analysis? Because it, it really is a great analysis. Thanks, yeah. I mean, I did the standard thing where you like tag them on social media. <laughs> to my knowledge, they have not read it, but if they do and they have questions, they're more than happy to talk with them. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's just another great example of the platform that you've developed. I'm curious as to what your vision is as you move along with this, because you really you haven't been doing it um, too, too long, I guess, just over a year or so now. But uh, what's kind of your vis- vision for the next two to five years? Yeah, so I mean, at this point, this is still a pet project. And it's myself and basically two other individuals that I just met who were also really into pickable data, <laughs> going at it for fun. I would love if I did this full time. I don't think that's in the near term. But for the product itself, we want to put out the ability to create player profiles. So you have 10 matches in the Pickle Mart. Like we can aggregate over those matches and find your strengths, weaknesses, et cetera. Whereas right now, you can only look at one match at a time. Same idea for like team profiles. And then we'd like to make the data entry as easy as possible for users. So right now it's very doable. Like there is a guide, you can do it. It will take some time. If we can, what we're kind of piloting right now is computer vision software to not fully automate data collection, but really 
make users' lives a lot easier, right? So maybe instead of clicking where every shot was hit, the computer vision watches the rally. It says, hey, there were eight shots in this rally. This is where we think they were. And you as a user can be like, oh yeah, that looks good. Or you could be like, this one was actually over here. Um, and anyways, so automating that, I think is gonna be pretty key. Yeah, and that's definitely one of my interests also. And that's something that I've worked on off and on over, over the years, but uh, the uh, computer vision piece and being able to track the ball. And honestly, the models to do that nowadays have just come so far. It's incredible the change I've seen over the years as far as those tools. So yeah, I will definitely look forward to to that because I tend to be very lazy. So anything that can be automated. <laughs> hey, lazy is good. Lazy, lazy pushes you to automate. I like it. <laughs> That's pretty much what I do. And I remember talking to a, a new boss at one point and I said, yeah, I said, I'm really lazy. If I have to do something twice, I just automate it. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, good. Any other interesting stats or kind of misconceptions you think people have about the game that you want to share with the Pickleball Fire audience? Because just the few things that we've already talked about, I, I think people start to really begin the, to see the power of using the data that you're collecting through your system and really how it can benefit their, their game. Yeah, I mean, we're. I feel like every week we have kind of a new finding that we can glean from the data, which is all made possible by people actually doing data analysis in their own matches. So I would encourage folks to check that out. But in terms of insights that we've gleaned, some are pretty intuitive, like stuff you probably, most players may already know. For example, like if you drive the ball on your third, you're less likely to get into a dink rally versus as if you drop. But what is cool to see is like a high level play, the win rates of driving versus dropping are very similar, which to me indicates that we've almost hit some equilibrium there. Other insights that we've gleaned include, what was the other one we were looking at the other day? Yeah, so we're doing a, an analysis on where the best location to put your third shot drop is. Like how important is it to get that third shot drop to either the player coming in off the return or to one of the player's backhands? Hopefully we'll be able to put that one out in the nearish future. But I think quantifying that is going to be really insightful because I know a lot of players, they don't even think about whether they're playing their third shot drop. They're just like, yeah, going to put it right in the middle every single time, which could be effective, but like, we'll see what the data says. Um, and hopefully we'll get around to <laughs> seeing if momentum is a real thing or not. I think people are particularly interested in that. All right. Well, that is a lot of great stuff. And there there might be people, I'm sure after people hear the podcast, they're going to want to check out your site. So go ahead and say the name of the URL. And also, if anybody wants to contact you directly, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yep. So the website is picklemart.com. That is just P-K-L, not the full pickle, but just P-K-L-Mart.com. 
that you can access the data entry tool, look at all the reports, everything's on there. If you would like to reach out, we would love to talk with you. <laughs> so it's picklemart, saying piklmart.analytics at gmail.com. And all that information is on the website as well. All right. Well, it was awesome to talk to you today, Alex. I thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Thanks, Lynn. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 